John, if you had three wishes, what would they be? This is where I get up and say, well, of course, I hope for world peace. Um, yeah. Um, three wishes, yes. I suppose the first would be that we could all start to disagree with each other civilly. You know, we are the most privileged and pampered and overeducated generation to walk this earth. And yet, the, and we have this extraordinary benefit of an internet that will give us instant access to every spoken word, every majestic thought. And all we can do is write spiteful things in commenting on other people, people that we've never heard of. He's a moron, you know. You know they're all corrupt crooks and morons. Some of them may be morons. Some of them may be crooks. But because somebody doesn't agree with you 100%, does not give you the right to make them vanish from your your social world or your, or, or your class or anything like that. We've got to learn to allow true debate, this true mixture of, of opposed ideas with grace and not with venom and, uh, and, and, and canceling people. That would be my first one. <laughs> very good, very good. The second would be that we would all think rationally, that we would all think that every choice we make is, has what's called an opportunity cost. When you demand one thing that costs your society a huge investment in either men or women or, or natural resources or finance, you forget uh, you, you, you are unable to do other things that you would choose to do. So that, I so, suppose my second wish would be that we would all actually really calculate the cost of our fancies and fantasies and dreams. The third one would be that we return to what almost might be called ancestor worship. Now, it's not ancestor worship that I'm talking about. Everyone in this room has at least one ancestor who left Africa more than 70,000 years ago. That means that we are all related. Something happened 60 or 70,000 years ago, and the number of homo sapiens on the earth crashed considerably. Some people say there were 10,000 of us alive. Others say mm, possibly less than 1,000. There was an ice age about 100,000 years ago, and at the start of that, there were at least five, possibly six species of hominids. There was us, Homo sapiens, 
Homo Neanderthalis, Neanderthals, the Denisovans, there were the Hobbits, uh, Homo Floriensis, uh, there was probably Heidelbergensis, and there may actually have been a Pacific ancestor that we detect in some of the Pacific Islander genes, but we've never found a fossil of. By the end of the Ice Age, which really begins to end about 18, 20,000 years ago, there's only one species. And that one species is us. Though some of us, particularly those of us who've got big noses, that may be an indicator that we have more Neanderthal in us than others. How did that happen? Well, it happened because, inadvertently at first, we selected for intelligence. When you're competing with other species for very rare and increasingly smaller amounts of food, the person who can make that correlation, correlation between this time of year, that tree, that insect, that bird, and, 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 and perhaps the bees over there. They may just have, from that, the ability to extract enough energy to re reproduce themselves more frequently than anybody else. But when you select for intelligence, which is effectively what we did, you select for a larger brain. And a larger brain has to pass through, well, a larger brain has to have a larger skull. And a larger skull has to pass through a birth canal. And when you have a larger skull passing through the birth canal, you kill a lot of mothers. In fact, we killed so many that when we look at the bones or the remains of Stone Age people, we'll find male skeletons in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even their 60s. You never find a female skeleton or skull or remain over the age of 30. The life expectancy of women up until the end of the Stone Age is about 21 years. We are descended from the bravest teenage girls who did whatever it took to make sure that this baby survives. And that baby surviving has meant that we are here. And that debt to our ancestors we completely ignore. There is a belief that, for instance, by the end of that ice age, and we are the only species of hominid left, that human intelligence was at its peak. These people were not stupid. They were hardened, capable people of 
surviving in incredible circumstances. But believe me, they dreamed. They spent half their days, uh, half of 24 hours of a day, looking at a night sky that had more stars in it than you and I have ever seen, even in the desert. They went wondered about it. They conjectured about it. I believe they, th th they picked up stones and walked around the fire and tried to work out that relation between the sun and the moon and the earth. And I'm sure they came up with the same conclusion. The only thing that makes sense is the sun is in the middle, the earth goes around the sun, and the moon goes around the earth. The problem is, that means we are moving. And I don't feel any sense of movement, do you? I mean, we're moving at what? About 22,500 miles an hour at the moment. But we can't feel it. Therefore, that picture must be wrong. These were people who really did think. And they dreamt about us. They thought about us. They wanted us to be better than them, to live better than them. As we parents all want our children to exceed our abilities, to reach far more widely and deeply and profoundly into the the nature of the universe and the world than, than we ever did. They did that for us. And so perhaps if we had a bit more respect for their courage and their determination to live and pass on their genes to us, we might be a little bit more careful by the way we behave and the choices that we make. And I guess that sort of respect for the past would be my first, third choice. Sorry about that, a very boring and long one. Did one single person in here think that was boring? I don't see a single Coward. <laughs> um, I actually have a bee in my bonnet about slavery because as a boy, I grew up in Africa, and my father was a policeman, and he came home one day, and I could see he was very angry. And after lunch, he said, John, get in the car, I want to show you something. And we went down to the harbor in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania now, but it was Tanganyika in those days, and he said, you see that Arab Dao there? Twice a year, it comes down from Saudi Arabia, stops in Aden, comes onto the Somali coast, comes down there, stops in, in, in Mombasa, here, and then goes on to Baira in Mo Mozambique. On the way down, it's got uh, uh, trading goods, machine parts, cloths, materials. On the way back up, it's always got two or three little black boys uh, going back to Saudi Arabia. And they're going back as slaves. And the United Nations won't allow me to do anything about it. The United Nations was trying to persuade Saudi Arabia to abandon and give up slavery. This was 1955. And finally, 10 years later, uh, the Saudis gave up, officially anyway, uh, slavery. But his passion and anger 
remains with me today. And there is still slavery going on. And if you really want something to be a single issue fanatic about, don't go out and lie in the streets and protest against you know, people driving oil-driven car, oil cars. Really get active about total injustices like slavery. You know, there is slavery, and we should not be allowing it or tolerating it, and, and yet it's under our noses sometimes.